Now, I've been poking around the austins.com.au website because I'm not a huge wine snob, but I do enjoy some wine. And I wanted to get a little idea about the varietals that you guys do. And one of the cool things that I saw was that, oh, you've got your Austin's line or your Austin's brand, but then you got the sassy or saucy little brother. Well, actually not little brother, the very six foot six inch brother that is literally called six foot six or six FT six. Think typographically and it's six capital F, lowercase t, six, all one word, if that yes. makes sense. And I was intrigued by that because obviously I know you or I don't know you, or this isn't another one of those Kate Toon hookups. Like, <laughs> why do I have so many Australians on my podcast? It's because I met Kate Toon in a hotel bar. And I'm not kidding you, which I'm sure you understand. I can see that you know exactly where I'm coming from. But when she said, oh, yeah, you should talk to Belinda Austin, I'm like, OK, cool. I, I love to talk to anybody. But then I see you work for or your part owners, your operators of a family owned winery in Geelong, which is just west of the harbor at Melbourne, as you would say down under. I'm sorry, my Australian is terrible. It's Paul Hogan commercial bad. But when I started looking around, I saw that you've got, oh, Austin's, which is kind of your dressed up wine brand. And then you got your just off the convict trawler escapee from the British <laughs> six foot six brand, which is literally named after the height of a guy, a convict. Let me read this from your website. Sorry, this is a long, long introduction, but I feel like we got to touch on this because I love this story. And it's actually going to form the basis for a lot of my questions. In 1803, a convict named William Buckley, the man who stood as tall as six foot six, pulled off a daring escape from the British and landed at the Port Phillip area. Stranded but free, he came across a local indigenous tribe, and the tale goes that he survived the next 32 years living amongst them. These days they call William Buckley a legend, a giant of his time. Here at six foot six, we just know him as Will, the guy who inspired the Pino for the people and the guy who stood at six foot six. Okay. Now I love brands that are based on story and boy, that's a fantastic story. I just got to tell you with six foot six, how can you not see that label and go, I got to try some of that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing. So we actually, if you see the old label, we have this old label with a stick figure on it. Plus Scott got that commission. It cost him $80 get that label design. <laughs> and then we did a rebrand about, I think it was, let's say six, seven years ago. I can't quite remember. And our sales doubled. Yeah. Oh man. I love stories like that because good packaging is fantastic, especially when the packaging relates to the story. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this question. Hence I'm asking it. But each of the six foot six bottles has a very distinctive black and white striped collar at the top. Now, in my head, I'm going, well, in America, black and white stripes like that are kind of the old school prison uniforms yeah. that people would wear. Is that where that comes from? Yeah. So it's in relation to the convict story. Let me tell you, that's the packaging is aligned with the brand 
and the brand is built on a story. You see how that works, nonfiction branders? You gotta have a story to build your brand and that story has to be based on the truth. And so I'm guessing William Buckley is not on your board of directors or anywhere near the ownership team of Six Foot Six, but it looks to me like this brand has embraced the William Buckley story kind of on a DNA level so that it affects everything, including the packaging. Yeah, it does. And, and the interesting thing is when we did the rebrand, the designers advised us to stop telling the story. They wanted it to be more about heart and less about the story of the convict. So for a while there, we dropped it. And then when I was talking to people, they said, where does six foot six come from? Where does six foot six come from? And I'd tell them the story and they'd engage with the brand. And so that was a mistake and a lesson learned. And it's something that we've now, you know, weaved back into our communication at all points. But yeah, it's interesting that sometimes you can try to be too cool and too, you know, you want to be brand and you want to evolve. But I've learned that I should never evolve past that connection story and what it's based on. Yeah. Yeah. Because your brand is absolutely based on that story. And Hmm. By the way, I, I don't want to pick on the design firm, but I'm guessing they were a graphic design firm, not a brand oriented advertising agency because the brand agency would say, oh, my God, love that story up and down. It's going to influence everything we do. That doesn't mean everything's going to have to have a, a guy in shackles, but hmm. we are definitely never moving away from that story because one of the huge mistakes that people get that businesses get that service providers do and products do is they move off their story. They want to be something else because frankly, I'm a little bored. I've heard that yeah. story forever. Well, guess what? If you've heard it forever, there's an old saying in advertising. If you're tired of your advertising, great. The public is finally starting to see it. And that's very true of this. And the whole thing is I can look at your website and go, Oh, Austin is the bottle of wine or Austin's is the bottle of wine I'd buy my mom for her birthday. But if I'm having my friends over for a barbecue in the backyard, I'm going to pick up several different varietals of the six foot six because it's just cooler. I mean, if I have that bottle out, people are going to start asking me questions about it. And then I get to put on my kind of pseudo wine snobby hat and say, well, actually, let me tell you about the founding of the vineyard. But guess what? Is there anything about wine drinkers that isn't oh, just a little bit snobby? Yeah, and, and, and that, <laughs> that's where we sort of base our brand around, is not being wine snobs. Well, and you can see it again. If you go to the website, austinswines.com.au, you'll see that all of the photography has people in shirt sleeves and not in suits, and there's no bling bling going on. I mean, you have sparkling wines that you sell and you create. But it's not about hanging out in the club, throwing <laughs> Benjamins in the air. And it, it's a very approachable, even yeah. what I would call your premium line is yes. an approachable premium line. So even even your most button down version is still a button down shirt, open, yeah. no tie, sleeves no tie. rolled up and having a good time with friends and family. I love that you picked that up. I'm happy that I'm getting the point across. I'm happy oh, about that. It's because you know what your story is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
Belinda Austin, nay Cook. You weren't <laughs> always in Austin, were you? No, no, I wasn't. I've been a Cook, a Wilson, a Cook, and now an Austin. <laughs> if you want my life story. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to get out a genealogical chart to follow that, but I'll just take your word for it and say that, okay, you're now a member of the Austins yes. that actually founded. So, yeah, my in-laws founded it in 1982. They just had a keen interest in wine, went to Burgundy, loved the variety, came back, wanted to plant their own vineyard. So they started with three acres and then being the entrepreneur that my father-in-law is, he then decided to plant 150 acres as a hobby. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of those hobbies that suddenly takes over your entire life. And it, it looks like it did. It did. So he called up my, my husband and he said, do you want to come and help me in the business? We've got a lot of wine, but we're not selling much. And so Scott then came on board and he took on the export market and it is what it is today. And he took over it and, and bought the business off his parents. And so there we are. Now it's us two, second generation. Which is another extension of the story. So it stays in the wine family. You're not owned by some weird Japanese holding company, spirits and no. alcohol or wine and anything like that. You're still owned and operated as a family owned and operated business. Yes. Yeah, wow. very much so. It's very, you know, the in-laws, we live on the same property. So we all live on the vineyard together and they still help out in the business Richard sits on the board, Pam does whatever needs doing. She still sells to restaurants and Scott and I take care of the day-to-day -day runnings of the business. So it works out quite well. Yeah, boy, I, I got to tell you that I'm probably not the only one looking at the life you're living going, oh man, I kind of hate you. <laughs> but then again, <laughs> but then again, you've even got a product for that, which kills me. Again, I'm doing my two seconds of research before Belinda gets on the line. And I'm looking at the top navigation of the austins.com.au website going, oh yeah, homepage about shop. Valentine Day backs, yeah, seller of door wine. I'll have to look at that. Rent a vine. What? Rent a vine? So I click on rent a vine and guess what it is? Have you ever dreamt of making your own wine? Why, yes, Belinda, I have dreamt of making my own wine. Well, I can rent a vine at Austin's to grow and make Pinot Noir or Chardonnay in 2021. What? Shut the front door. Are you kidding me? Talk about yeah. making wine approachable. Yeah. That, that is incredible. And, yeah. you know, I'm looking at this. So, so let's say I want to rent a vine. What do I get? I get my own row of vines at Austin's Vineyard. Can I go visit it every week and squeeze or things like that? <laughs> I get five exclusive catered workshops, two dozen bottles of personalized Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. Austin's Rent-A-Vine Starter Pack, whatever that is, but I'll take it. Hands-on <laughs> learning, a hands-on learning experience with Austin's winemaker. 10% discount to the wine club. Exclusive access to this. Oh, and end-of-the-year celebration party. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, my wife is upstairs. She can't hear this, but is there any way I can get that for an American who lives in Wisconsin? Because if I broke that out on our wedding anniversary... 
I think I might be in good shape for that wedding. I think you, you'd get lucky. I think that that would be a really good present. And that's the thing. It, it has been. It's been amazing. Lots of four, I see lots of 40th, 50th, 60th anniversary gifts coming in, all the messages on it. It's such a great gift because people are, what we have found is people are looking for experience. They're yeah. looking for something unique. They're looking for something that they can't get anywhere else. No. Well, and I'm just thinking about it going, okay, so let's just say that I did that and we got a convertible fill in the blank, whatever you're, let's say it's a Porsche Boxster uh, convertible, you know, and we go tooling up, you know, to the valley in Victoria, outside Melbourne, all the way up to Geelong. I mean, come on, that just is sexy as sexy can be to an American. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to the Outback to make wine. How cool is that? I yeah. mean, but the whole thing I love about it beyond giving me ideas for anniversary presents is you're again going back to a foundational idea of making wine approachable as a brander and specifically as a nonfiction brander. Do you guys have codified in your brand world the words making wine approachable or anything yes. like that? How come I knew that? How come <laughs> I knew that? And welcoming. Yeah. Approachable and welcoming. So uh, Belinda, I know you may have listened to some of the nonfiction brand podcast episodes or been exposed to some of the nonfiction brand philosophy. And one of the big things I do is always say that every brand has to be built on a key three, three ideas that are absolutely fundamental to the brand. In my case, it's always collaborative, creative, and provocative. I'm always going to provoke you a little bit. And that's sometimes good, sometimes bad, but always interesting. In your case, it sounds like you've got a welcoming and approachable or kind of twin or yeah. synonymous words. Do you have two other words that are kind of forming your key three? Innovative. And what do you mean and by innovative? Because that's one of those I, words that means... No, it's not the right word. But in terms of the industry we're in, the wine industry can sometimes be a bit stagnant and just do things very traditionally. But as much as we want to keep tradition and honour that, Scott and I like to do things a bit differently. And so that is, it's more in the way, not in the way we make the wine because it's still quite traditional, but in the way we package our messaging and in the way we want people to experience the wine. So that's where we want to do things a bit different. You know, a more powerful word that, and I'm, again, I'm not telling yeah. you to change it, but one for your, for your consideration, let's say surprising. How about a word like surprising that you're always yeah. looking for something that is a little bit right. out of the ordinary. And what I mean by that is if you go to their Instagram, cause there's Austin's wines, which is one Instagram account. And then there's six foot six wine. So the numeral six, FT, numeral six, wine, all one word. And just bop back and forth between those two Instagram feeds and you can feel the difference. It's like, oh, I'm going to my mom's for Sunday dinner. Ooh, I'm hanging with my mates in the backyard. And then flick back to the other one and go, oh, I guess I have to dress up a little bit maybe. Well, for <laughs> me, it's like put, yeah. put, putting on khakis instead of jeans, you know. But that for me is dressing up. I hate to say it, yeah. you can't, you know, you can't change me. Armani, I am not. But you can <laughs> see, even there, you're being what I would call a little bit surprising. Because if I look at the Austin's Wines Instagram feed, I'm going to think you're one style. And then I find out you've got this other one. And I go, oh, 
you just surprised me. You're not all one thing. That's very interesting. And that's got to be strategic, right? Yeah, it is very much so. And I think we spend a lot of time on, on what our, what we want to stand for and what we want to be known for and also who we are as people. Cause I don't want to be something I'm not, you know, right. and that, that's the thing about Scott and I, we're a bit, we're a bit cheeky. We're a bit fun. We're not winemakers. We love wine, but we, we're like the majority of the public. We just enjoy a wine with friends Yeah, and we want to learn more about it, but we don't want to be talked down to. Yeah. And you know, for the longest time, that's what has kept people away from wine is this yeah. feeling of, I don't know what I'm ordering when I, you, you give me the wine list and I'm not looking at the wines. I'm looking at the prices and going, I don't want to buy the cheapest one because that makes me look really bad, but I'm certainly not buying the highest price one. And the ones in the middle are too. I guess I'll go for the one, two or three from the bottom in the flavor that I'm most familiar with or the varietal. And I'll call them flavors because I've never heard and understood what the word varietal means. Oh, so Pinot Noir, uh, Noir is French for black. So I guess that's probably dark. So that must be a red one. Oh, yeah, I like reds. Give me the Pinot Noir. Well, that's very sophisticated. Most people go Pinot Noir, which is fine too. <laughs> you know, yeah. Pinot Gris or, you know, but even then it's like there's this, oh, <laughs> this laughing. Well, they don't know how to say the wines. Well, why don't we teach people? Why don't we show them how to say it or how to order or, you know, instead of going, oh, they they don't know what they're doing. That's not, you know. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. I want to touch on something in the next episode that you brought up. You said we like to create experiences or some variant of that line. I want to touch on that big time. But first, I want to let people know how they could contact or engage with you on social media. Do you have a primary social channel that you prefer? We use Instagram and Facebook. They're the ones I focus on. So that is at Austin's Wines and at Six Foot Six Wine for both. Well, very good. You should check out those Instagram feeds because they're quite entertaining and they just make me go, when can I get over there? Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I thank you so much for listening, but could you do me a solid and a like, subscribe, refer it to other people that you might think would be interested in it? And also the biggest thing of all, can you give it a recommendation wherever you get your find podcasts for free? That really helps people find it. I'm DP Knuton for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and she is Belinda Austin from Austin's Wines. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye bye. 